everyone and welcome back to Fullback, our dedicated Barcelona podcast. It's been another week, another turbulent series of events, so we are back to d- dissect all of that as we normally do here at Barca Football. We're getting closer to the summer, closer to Xavi's departure, inevitably the departure of many players, I feel, from the current team. And it very much feels that how do we do our business once that transfer market opens? That's the big question. And how we do that actually may decide many things for our immediate future. But you know what? Interestingly enough, this week, Dev, it's not actually the Barcelona transfers that got people shaking their boots, and especially Barcelona fans, to be honest, but rather it's the Real Madrid transfer news. Apparently, and yes, granted, we've heard this one before. I mean, if this was a drinking game, we would all pee on the floor already, I feel. But apparently, Mbappé to Real Madrid is finally happening. Now, I know, I mean, I've, we've heard it before, but Dev, is this the doomsday scenario for us Kool-Aid's or, or how do you see this happening? Hey, Dom, let's start by giving credit first where it belongs. I think Florentino Perez and, and Madrid managed their transition insanely well. They've been also going through the same issues of COVID and stadium reconstruction and everything. And yet, uh, Perez knew that there was a core of the team that had to be completely replaced. And he did that with specificity and with enormous clarity. Over the years, he picked up the right profiles, one, then another one. And now what you have is an incredibly stacked team, elite team in all aspects. And Mbappe would be the cherry and the icing on the top. No questions about that. Does it make them one of the most feared teams in the world? Absolutely, it does. For sure, it does. So credit where it's due. And it would feel very good if you're a Real Madrid fan and you see how that team has evolved in terms of just management and player profiling structure and build up. So hats out to them and kudos. Having said that, though, I do think that of all the times that it could have happened, this is probably the best time from a Barcelona perspective. And I, I can get absolutely killed on social media for saying this. But the thing is, our lack of expectation from the team is stunning. It has been conditioned over the last four or five seasons. It hasn't happened overnight. They st- slowly started accepting that, okay, we're not that great most of the time, right? And that's not going to go away. The reality is they have a crippling debt which they have managed somehow to mitigate to an extent. Uh, They have a stadium reconstruction going at a full swing. They are heavily into FFP. And until they pay off their remaining transfer fees that they have kept unpaid for over the years, that's not going to go away. It's going to stay. Some of their levers have not worked out. So that's going to stay. By all and any means, Barca probably still need a couple of more years to really get back to a place where they can start spending at least one is to one. The revenue is not going to be that bad. It's going to be around T to nine hundred million a year. We already did a big post on this, so go check it out. The numbers are there. But having said so, the cost, the repayment of the debt, the wage bill will hold them back. It's just the truth of it. And then you think about how this thing plays out. I think Laporta's initial mandate is still about 2026 and that gives us two years and i think that's by that time his main focus is to get camp now working and espy barca running that's basically his number one priority and it should be as a president that's where any president's priority should be for this club so i think that's where they're going to focus on 
And if that's where they're going to focus on, we are not going to be an elite world-beating team next season or the season after. This is my day. Now, many people can disagree, and I'm okay with that. I just feel it's impossible given the financial rea reality of what we have. So having said that, since the expectation is really low, if we can get a good coach and if we can develop some of our players, some of this young new brigade that has come up from the Mazia and get some smart transfers done over the next two years, low cost but most effective, I don't think there is so much to be worried about. And I'll explain why. So let's assume the worst case scenario, which is we lose to Madrid, right? So that's two league games in a year. I've already given up on us making a big dent in the Champions League or the Europa League in the next two years. I personally don't think it's possible. Maybe a max of round of 16 or quarterfinal is where Barca's run will be, given where they are. If they do more, I will be super happy, but I don't think it's possible. The realist in me says that it is not possible. So I'm willing to wait out another couple of years. But if you take the league, that's 38 games, two games with Real Madrid, that's six points. Let's assume we lose both and lose both badly. Sure, beyond the social media abuse and social media banter that will happen, that's six points. You still got 36 more games to play. And Barca do have a team to compete on those 36 games. So if they compete on those, lose these two games, I still think they have a very high possibility of competing for the league title, not for honors and not for bragging points over Madrid. Probably that might be hard. But they can compete for the league, and that's what they need to do. They have to be practical. They have to be uh, realistic about where they are. And then every cycle goes through its up and down, and generally these cycles take five to six, seven, sometimes eight, nine, ten years, right? And now, Madrid did not go through it because they had a phenomenal president and a phenomenal board who took care of it. We didn't, and Barca never have been good at it. So now we got to pay the price. If you think about it from that perspective, keep it very realistic. Do not have very high expectations. And I know I'm lowballing massively and most people will dislike for that and that's okay. But there's no harm in competing for the league, having a decent enough run in the Champions League for two seasons, get the stadium operational, get Espai Barca something going on there, get the short-term debt completely off and the player transfers paid off. And then you're back at one to one. And then you can buy one or two good players out there. And if we can have two or three of those over two, three seasons, we are good. We are good to compete again. Also, for any super team, domination can only happen for two, three years consistency. So let's say Madrid dominates us for the next two years. It's okay. But it's not going to be there forever. It just is the law of average, right? That's how, that's how football is played. So given the situation, given the circumstances, given the reality, given the expectation, and given how we have been conditioned by now, the entire fan base, if there was any time this could have happened, this is the best time it happened. Now, I know this is a very practical, grounded way of looking at it, and most fans will not prefer it because we, we have this feeling that we are Barca, we should be winning everything, we are not second to anyone. And I understand that emotion. I just think realistically, we're not there and we won't be there for another two, three years. Back to you, Tom. Yeah, that's, you say that's a very unique point of view. And I like it because everyone is very much uh, doomsday scenario feeling, right? That's what everyone thinks. And I have to say, I've, I'm guilty of that as well because when I look at that Real Madrid squad, I don't feel, okay, 
I'm troubled by this era of dominance they will impose. I'm just troubled by the fact that they've been able to do so much in this period. They've been able to accumulate. They were able to buy, to build so much. Well, we spend so much time doing basically nothing, just spending money on the wrong things and getting ourselves into this mess in the first place. So I feel like that's my main, main thing. But I have to say that, again, this is a very fresh and unique take on a topic that's long been troubling Barcelona fans. We've been hearing about this transfer for years, and every single year we fret that it, it might actually come true. But I think you're right, though. It could indeed be the very best time for this to happen. I agree, we only have to face Real Madrid twice. So if, the folk, if, if we focus on ourselves, as we usually do, as we should do, we can still prosper and even win titles domestically. It can still happen. The league is long. Consistency is what matters most. That said, I'm going to go into a different direction a bit here. I am also a bit concerned about, as I've said, about this whole business that we've been doing for years, but also the, I'm not sure if the image is the right word for this, but let's say image, because it's about us selling our biggest assets. I don't know, assets like Dembele, like De Jong, like Coutinho, like Griezmann. But Real Madrid, Madrid, they keep stacking the successful big names instead. Like, does this potentially send the wrong message? Is it an institutional failure that we had Frank de Jong, like the, the player that half the globe wants, right? We had him in his prime years for about five years or so. I don't know, something like that. And we've not managed to get the best out of him. Is it an institutional failure that we had all these big names, not just de Jong? But we fail to get anything from them. It's just that's the one bit that kind of troubles me. But again, as you rightly put out, when it comes down to it, we don't need to even buy these superstars. We can just make them ourselves, right? That's always been our way of doing things, despite every once in a while we do splash on a transfer that will push us a bit forward. But that's fine. At the end of the day, if we can keep doing this, so focus on our youth, focus on ourselves, keep creating a lot from virtually nothing, I think we're not in any kind of special danger per se. But that said, our whole model, the way of doing things is currently being put into question because precisely because others keep buying superstars, precisely because others are printing money, so to speak, left and right, and precisely because we cannot really retain superstars if we have them, let alone buy them. That's that's the concern. It's definitely an interesting period that's ahead of us, I feel. I give you, I'll give you that much, I'll give everyone that much, because it's a special kind of period, which kind of brings us to the, the big question then, what is Barcelona's next two-year, three-year trajectory? What can we do? What should we expect? And I, I know you've touched upon this already in, in, your, in your first part, but are there any more thoughts you have on it? To be honest, it is an institutional failure. Let's not make any bones about it. It is an institutional failure of the largest kind. What Barca had was incredible PR, brand, and everything. And we have been able to lose a lot of it because of our incompetence. That's the only word. You, you've got to say what it is. But having said so, it's done. You can't really go back in the past and undo it. And crying about it every day is not going to make it better. Now, Realistically and financially, one has seen that the big clubs remain big, like Manchester United. They have not won a trophy in, what, 10, 15 years, probably. They're still big. Chelsea, they spend so much money, but they're still big. Juventus, big. So these clubs remain big. Do they remain relevant is the question. To some extent, the relevancy will be lost, right? And it has been lost if you look into the rise of City 
and the rise of the Premier League clubs that have happened. So those things will happen. But is that a, a cause to just give up and just sit down here? No, because if you look into the history of Barca, Barca wasn't that big till the 1990s, till Cruyff came along, right? And then again, after Cruyff, there was this period when they were like shaky, right? And then they again came back and so on. And then we got lucky with Messi. And that kind of luck will never happen every year or every 10 years. So we were lucky. We, we made the most out of it. And I would say we, we didn't even make the most out of it. But that's done. Now we can't undo this. What we can do is think about what's in the future. Now, yes, our so-called biggest rivals, they have a great team. And it is not going to be easy because from a fan base, you want to win. You want to be the, the top dog, right? And we can't be the top dog. Uh, you want to be the team where everybody wants to come and play, but that won't happen because either we won't have the money or B, we won't have the capability to get them because there'll be others with equally better projects of winning titles that big players will go for. So yeah, Barca will suffer for that, for sure. As history says, these things are reversible. They take time, but the cycle keeps changing. If you look at where we are today, we had a terrifying short-term debt of about 673 million and a long-term debt of about close to 1.52 billion, right? The one long-term debt is going to stay for 37 years. I don't think that's too much of an issue. Most clubs have it, many clubs have it, We'll manage that with what we get. Our financial situation, if you look into it, standardized. Even after selling all our soul and silverware and levers and all of that, a lot of fun has been made. Fact of the matter is that even with that, our media revenue in this fiscal was about close to about 220 million. Correct. This is after selling the 25% to Sixth Street. So we didn't get that money. If you look at the other uh, financials, which are mostly uh, advertisement and sponsorships. That's close to about 330 million. Then you have retail, then you have stadium ticketing, so on and so forth. All in all, uh, budget looks around 850 to 900 million, depending on how we do for a particular year. And this will not change in the recent future because these are long-term deals, right? So the deals will continue their time and we'll continue making that money. Our wage bill is pretty high. We still need to get that under control, but let's say it's about 500, 550 million, whatever, ballparkish, right? We can start to become better than what we are. It can happen, but it needs very strict financial prudence. It needs very strict guidelines on how the sporting project needs to be built. And this is where I have my biggest concern about Barca because Barca don't really work in that manner. It's all vibes at times. They don't have a very planned, focused way of going about things, right? And this is the biggest fear, because if that happens again, then the time to come back will be even more, even longer. But right now, we are at a place where we can actually start thinking about it this way. So in the next two years, if you think about Camp Now opening by the end of this year at about 70% capacity, over the next two years, it comes to 100% capacity. S5 Barca starts getting built, and then once it gets built, they will obviously rent that place out for others. And that's where the money starts coming in. So once that starts coming in, the loan repayment of that real estate asset will happen from the rent itself. But it's going to take a little time. But once these two balance out, once the rent provides the EMI, so as to say, then you have the money to go and make specific focused transfers. But we need to start rethinking about how we have done transfers. Now we have a core that core needs to be built. We need a manager who can do that. 
we need some sort of a structure in which we can go for the right profiles which can stand the test of time for the next six to eight years and this is the formative time right so we need to be very so as to say prescriptive and ruthless about it that what kind of team do you want and who are that nucleus of four or five players on which you're going to build that team i don't think we have that nucleus yet but we need that right and once we have that you can build on that and then you add a, a good name a big striker one splashy signing maybe in the next two years who knows and we can be in a position to compete and then from there it's a it's an uphill walk it's not a downhill road the problem will happen is if we lose track again and forget all of that and start doing crazy things then this cycle is not going to end so for me the next two years are very simple the most important thing is to get the coach right it will be probably a two to three year project not more than that which will coincide with the ending of the term now if laporta runs that's one thing if somebody else comes that's another thing so we don't know whatever happens but for till that time the focus should be managing the wage bill and 500 million is not a bad number what's girona's wage bill aren't they playing well they are right what's subarial's so, so wage bill so 500 million is a big number and we have more than that we have about 600 620 or 30 right so if you manage the wage bill between 500 to 515 million you still can have one or two or maybe three elite players and then other solid profiles who are complementary to those elite players and have a very functional effective team which can do well and that can be built but for that you really need the right manager and the right sporting institution now do we have the right sporting institution we don't i don't think deco's the guy he's a great agent so we might get some benefits here and there on players with the pinizavis and the, and and the decos of the world but that's about it that's not a structure which is what i think manchester united is finally starting to build after seractive bot shares if you look at the people they are getting focused people from the management perspective and that's needed so that's required and if that happens and we can manage what we are doing be effective in the league don't worry so much about the champions league and the europa do your best as you can right and from there you can make strategic signings you can become better than what you are you can also hope of becoming elite provided you play this period in the right way so a good coach somebody who can understand what the core needs to be and develop that core and then at least keep that balance right a good sporting project manage the finances so that it be don't slip back into that manage the wage bill and then after that i think after 2026 it will be a different barca exactly i think when you actually look at it that way 2026 is not that far away right it's just two years what's two years if we only have to wait two years for us to get back on our feet back to the, the quote-unquote elite levels that's just a very small price to pay But yes, to your point, the next couple of years will be crucial in in setting up the team to compete. We're always talking about using your money wisely and you know about targeting the right people for the job. But even more importantly, the first step needs to be exactly this clarity, this accepting of our position and our struggles. This is where improvement comes from, not just in football, in life as well. Understanding your position, understanding what it is that you have to do to get out of the stick situation. I think if you never accept that you have a problem how can you ever hope to resolve it right that's the same applies to life you have to do that in order to improve 
And Barcelona obviously have a problem. They have a whole bunch of problems. But let's look at that situation realistically then. I mean, even if they don't find the magic pill and suddenly become extremely proficient in their moves on the market, which I, I don't think that just happens overnight either. The squad that Barca have still has a collection of talent that dwarfs, dwarfs everyone not named Real Madrid in La Liga at this moment. I, I still comfortably believe that. There is no doubt in my mind that the individual quality the potential and, and yes, even the compatibility of these players, which obviously needs work, I still feel it's there somewhere, right? It's a great foundation to build for the future and even gives you some immediate success potential. If you look at Real Madrid or look at Atletico Madrid for that matter, historically, or maybe, I don't know, in the last decade or so, they've not really been a staple of league dominance at all. Even with teams arguably much better than this Barcelona and, and the Barcelona of years before, they couldn't really hold a grip on La Liga, right? So we can't really say they are consistently the favorites. They're consistently challenging. They always will be challenging. But over the course of a 36-38 game season, they may not always be the most reliable. So, yeah, of course, Europe is different. I know that. But Barcelona are not really ready for Europe anyway. So... Yeah, we just put that on the side for just now. And if we go back to the talk about the coach, which you mentioned, if Barca get their appointment, if they can get a coach who can maximize what we already have and work with that little that he has, because let's face it, at the end of the day, despite all this quality, this is still little, very little compared to what other Barca coaches had at their disposal in the past. Even despite that, I can still see Barca being wide competitive throughout this rebuild process. And if we say that rebuilding actually here means, it won't mean being world beaters, but accepting that we are not world beaters and also knowing that if we play our cards, we can still be a domestic force. We have to be a domestic force. It's just a thing that every Barca coach in every situation, in every era, in every team has to be, right? So now what do we need to do that in the next couple of years? Aside from the coach, which we mentioned, we need to accept Real Madrid's short-term squeeze because you said it, it'll be a short-term squeeze. Every big team, every dominant team, every galactical team gets their time under the sun, but it's a short-term chokehold on quality, right? This, this may be their cycle or, or at the very least a cycle that kind of slightly favors them more than does us, but then we simply plan for the next one. That's it. After all, what's two years? I said it was two years of rebuilding for a decade of success that potentially follows it afterwards. It's a drop in the ocean. It won't be easy. And of course, it, it will require courage, adversity, and patience. Lots and lots of patience, which we as Barca fans often don't have. But the most important thing is that we don't damage the assets that we already have at the team, right? If we build on them instead, we can. And I'm confident to say we will succeed. This is a squad that has everything to win, but just not now, not with 16-year-old kids. In a couple of years' time, I am sure that we will be there. But with which players or which profiles, that is the question. So let me ask you, Dev, now, if you had your way, what kinds of players would you chase? What positions, maybe? What roles, what profiles? You don't have to give me names, but if you can, if you have any names, feel free to share them. But what if you were in charge now, what would you look to patch up? That's an interesting one. But I'll touch base on something interesting that you said. Do you think about that world-conquering Barca side that everybody talks about? The gold, the, the pure elite, the, the best of best Barca. 
that team actually dominated for maybe five years. If you look at the data, the real domination, Europe domination everywhere, right? That was five years. And that was that team. And I doubt you will see anything like that anytime soon, anywhere, because we just got lucky, as simple as that. Now, if you take that six years and you think about the profiles that made that team, that nucleus, then I'm trying to think about that. What do we need? We need, a, we need somebody on whom we can depend to get those 20, 30 goals a season. Now, who's that person? Got to think about that. We need a stable defense, right? I think Piquet was an extremely smart defender. You can dislike him or like him or what have you. But Piquet, Abidal, Mascherano, they were solid defenders and smart defenders. And they knew how to play. And the other things that were there, you could depend on them. Season after season, they would be there. So that's that defensive solidity that one or two people in defense, right? Who are the rock on whom your defense? People can come, people can go, but those two stay consistently. Same applies to your midfield. And we think about it, and we are spoiled for choice. There's so many of them. But for whatever reason, they're not really a very dominant midfield. Now, whether we don't have the physicality, maybe football has changed, what have you. Uh, understood, but it's still a game where 20 people chase the ball. That's what it is. So we need a midfield, a functioning midfield. Now for that, if pivot is going to solve that, then we've got to go and get a pivot, which is worth the price. Now, how do we do that? That's a question for the board and other portals of the world to solve. But we definitely need that because that's just not there. Most of the time, we completely bypass the midfield and without the midfield controlling the games, it's very difficult, right? So if it's a six, then it's a six. Now in the modern game, I'm taking into credence everything that has changed. And yes, it has evolved, right? So whether you think about a wingback or a fullback or an inverted fullback or all the fancy names that are there, what is important is that you have powerful attacking players on the wings who can stretch the field, who can be a dribbling force, and who can feed into the box, who can take on one ones, who can feed on the box, who have the dribbling ability. Now, it would be great to have two, but I doubt we can. But one is good enough. A Jordi Alba was good enough for us most of the time. He was more than good enough. So we need something like that. One very attacking presence on the flank. Somebody to anchor that midfield. Somebody to anchor that defense. And one player can bang in those 20 to 25 goals. I don't think they're going to get 50 goals a season like Messi ever. And that's okay. But we need somebody who can at least get those 20, 25 in a year. So if you ask me, that would be my focus area on how to get there. Right. And then have complementary profiles all around. Hardworking, physical, whatever it may be required. Players who play for those players, players who play for that team, for that structure, and drive the efficacy, which is hugely missing. And then if you have a good coach, yes, that structure can be maintained and so on and so forth. But I would say those would be my takes. I, I'm not giving names because names, there are many names, but who do we get? How much money do we have? So many questions, right? But I do believe that if you don't get the name that you want, you can get somebody else who might not be as good, 
Yes, for sure. There are some people who are just amazing, but there's only 1% of players who are that amazing. And everybody's not going to get those 1%. So it's okay. If you don't get them, it's fine. Look at how Liverpool recruit. They function. They're attacking. Money left. Bobby Firmino left. They're still functioning. They're pretty attacking. And they didn't break the bank to make that happen. So it's possible. It's highly possible to make that happen. But you need the right people with calm heads, focused attitude to make it happen. Will, does this Barca have that? I have my doubts on that. But is it possible? 100% yes, Tom, it's possible. And Yes, I agree. It is possible. It is something that we have done in the past, somewhat through the youth, of course, through La Masia. But also, transfers are, I was going to say they're not science, but they are in, in, in one, one, hand, one hand they are because you have to not just throw a dart at a board and, and, and pick a player blindly. You have to actually think about who you're going to recruit and, and how you're going to recruit and, and whether that player fits or not and how expensive he is, etc., etc. But at the same time, when it comes to the pure profiles and types of players we should chase come the summer and, and, and this whole two to three year period of rebuilding, I think it's important to acquire assets or players that are ready to compete now, but can also be, can also appreciate or rather increase in value over time as we develop individually and collectively. Right? So this way, in theory, at least, you're actually buying affordable assets, which won't burden you with high fees and won't burden you with high wages, but can give you something to sell if needs be. Because if we look at the data, a vast majority of transfers don't work out, right? I think there was a study that was made where they took, I don't know, the top five leagues and, and, and the, the, the richest teams and the transfers, and they took the minutes of their new transfers in the season. And I don't know, if they played X, Y, and Z amount of minutes, that was a successful transfer. And if they didn't, it was a failure. And most of them were a failure. So it's very difficult to get this right. And, and it's really not an easy job. That said, we're basically talking about players who are good enough now, they have potential for increased value over at least the medium term and then are potentially replaceable in the long term if you need them to be replaced. In other words, you can upgrade them once you've recovered and if they've not turned out to be the long-term solution that you thought they, they might be, right? Uh, again, we're not exactly talking about what's happening now, but rather what can you build or put together through austerity so these players need to dance on the fine line between, oh, we may eventually sell you, and oh, you're a part of a bigger plan for the future, right? It's, it's that, that kind of thing. It's not easy, obviously, but that's what Barcelona need to do at this moment, I feel, in the market. They need to chase the Tomiyasus and Odegaards and, I don't know, these kind of Brighton and Arsenal kind of transfer that we've seen in the last couple of years. And in terms of who those players actually are, as you said, if we're looking at the pivot, Definitely, we're looking at a wide player, potentially a winger or a fullback who has that individual differential quality, potentially a center forward. There's a number of players that we could mention here. Now, what are the profiles? That's, a, again, a very difficult question because why? It depends on what the future coach wants. So it's difficult to tell at this very stage right now. If we were to say what does Xavi want, that's okay. We can try that. But we have no idea who's coming next and what his preference will be. But, okay, for the sake of the argument, let's try and generalize things a bit more. The most, I'm, I'm going to give you a name, and I might butcher his name, but I'm going to try and give it to you. 
the most cost-efficient pivot would be someone like the like Weifer, Weifer, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. He's a player who's already an established double pivot player, but can be coached into becoming a highly proficient single pivot player. So he also complements someone, I don't know, someone who has ideas like Deserbi, for example, who's a, both a great band manager, so individual coach, but can also create the environment for such players to thrive, right? So that's what I'm looking for, the, the player who fits the idea, but also at the same time it is someone who can be put into this system that we have, into a system that's, that, that's still dysfunctional, not complete, and still have a role in it at this very moment, right? For the winger, if it's a left winger, I know everyone will say Lau, and I want Lau too. He's a fantastic player. He's a top three winger in the world, potentially. But the more I think about it, <laughs> um, the more I actually lean towards someone like Nico Williams, who would be the exact profile we need, the perfect match in every regard in terms of quality, long-term projection, credit capabilities, profile, price, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Leao is a game-breaker in his own right, but he's also a cherry on top of an, of an already established project kind of player. He's not someone you throw into this hot mess at Barcelona and expect him to be the glue that fixes that. I thought that he could be, and I still feel if he comes in and performs the way we know he can still be that, but I'm still unsure. I feel like in this particular situation that we find ourselves in, I feel like Nico Williams is more of a guarantee, for example. We can, we can go into it and say send it forward, but Barcelona would be wise, again, dominate their own market, go for someone from within someone local, like that Samu kid from Atletico Madrid, for example, but he's young, and that's a question mark since we already have Roque. Ossiman would be the right profile, for example, and the right target in case Barca can't find a Lewandowski type. Again, we're stepping into the expensive territory, and that would, again, pose an issue. But Nico and the, the pivot guy, the, the, I would be very happy with them this summer. It will be a clear step forward. It will be the right kind of deal, I feel. If you supplement that, with, with some free or very cheap backups like Jorginho or that Ferdi kid for Fenerbahce, for example, you're slowly building something real. I'm just spitballing names here, but those are the names that kind of come to mind first. And that's a team that can win La Liga and be relevant in Europe across the next two to three years. Now, when in Europe, probably not, but still be competitive at least, at, at the very least, right? Of course, all of this depends on what the new coach wants and also who stays and who goes. So it's difficult to tell, but I think that this is where I stand at this very moment. If that even begins to answer this very complex question that we, we're trying to ask ourselves. We don't need to answer, to be honest. We don't really need to answer. The point is, everybody has a point of view and every fan out there will have their way of looking into it. And there's no right or wrong way. Everybody have, has their opinion and that's okay. Um, what will happen we'll get to see because we don't make the decisions. We can just type or we can just talk and that's all we can do. The people who make the decision are different and we'll get to see what happens. But there is a possibility for us to be better than what we are. I think the worst is behind. So as to say, I know it seems hard to accept that or believe that, but I think uh, with, especially financially, um, we're not as terrible as the situation was two, three years ago. So that's good in a way. It still has to be a lot better. So there's ways to go about it. We do need a goal scorer for sure. Every team needs that. Now where we find one, I don't know. Hopefully we find one in the next two, three years with all these 
agent contracts or agent stuff that we have, you become a, a Mendez house and so on and so forth. Hopefully we'll get one, but we won't know. Having said that, this appointment of coach will be incredibly important. And I hope that there are people inside Barca who understand that and who make that right decision, because this is for the cash cow. I mean, you can have your own politics, you can have your fiefdoms, you can have all of that. But if the cash cow dies, then everybody suffers. And I hope that makes people wake up and do what is right than play by egos or play for politics or play for their own fiefdom. Hopefully that happens. And if that happens, there is no reason for us to not be a force to contend with domestically, at least for the next couple of seasons. And then even in I mean, Champions League, if you win five games, you are in the quarterfinals and the round of 16 and so on. I think that's possible. Even when we had the Messi's of the world, where did we go and play finals every year? We didn't. So having that expectation, I think it's blinkered. It, you can have it, but let's be real. So I think that much can happen. The Copa, the league, I think there you can compete pretty well. We, we have that capability. And then from there, we just build one step at a time. Barca has survived 125 years and they have not survived just like that. So I uh, wouldn't write them off. It won't be rosy times for Barca fans for a little bit more, for sure. And we won't be the talk of the town and we won't be playing champagne football and all of that stuff. But that's okay. That's part of, that's just part of football. That's just part of life. And before we hand up, I just wanted to bring a small anecdote I know we talk about Lewandowski and we have talked about how horrible he has been and how he's the spent force and so on. But I just came across this, this update and it said that he scored more goals than Ori and David Villa. And we consider Ori and David Villa to be legends for Barca. And Lewandowski in his own way has actually done that in less than two seasons. And that is pretty fucking insane, if you ask me. Forgive my French. We can have questions on his quality or how much he has affected us and so on. But some, because of the times that we went through, I think it just slipped by unnoticed. And that's pretty amazing. It is. Credit, credit where it's due. Lewandowski, we know that he is a generational striker and, and there's no doubt about that. That's what people keep confusing. Even if we criticize him now, even if we say, okay, currently he's not at his very best. He's shaky. He's this, he's that. He's old. He's slow. He's, I don't know. That doesn't really mean that his legacy will get affected because his legacy is immense. This is a player of, of such a caliber that, that, that there's not many like him around. He is class is permanent. That's what I say. And it's true. Class is permanent. And now those class is permanent. As much as we do like to say that he is a fault for many things. And he is, to be honest with you. He is. There's no escaping the fact that he has been slower he had his touch has been poor his decision making has been poor and his scoring boots have been on and off all of that is true but at the same time none of it will actually stain his legacy or our overall general view on him as a player throughout his career i think that's that never should be under question and i feel like it won't be as long as we keep thinking rationally so yeah it's a very nice data point and kudos to him congratulations to him as well of course, Henri and Villa, all those players have utility outside of goals. I think that has to be said as well. But at the same time, none of it 
really minimizes or, or decreases Lewandowski's impact, which has been immense, regardless of his current price position. But right, cool is. I think this is a good point to stop and wrap up this episode. I have to say it was a very interesting one, and I hope, we hope that you've enjoyed it too. Stay tuned for more next week. Stay safe, and as ever, Visca El Barça.